Welcome, everybody, to the MESPA Principal Cast. I'm your host, Brett Domstrand, and I am the uh, principal at Lake Marion Elementary in Lakeville, Minnesota. And we want to just say thanks for listening, everybody. It's been a while since we've uh, had the podcast, but we are glad to be up and running, and we'll be releasing new episodes every two weeks. And so our welcome back guest is the only Gabe Hackett of Little Mountain Elementary in Monticello, Minnesota. Gabe, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Brett, thanks so much for having me. I am honored to be the welcome back guest to the MESPA podcast. I am a huge fan and a huge listener. So this is a big deal for me to be uh, be the welcome back guest. Well, you know, and the funny thing is, I, I feel like there could be a funny line here where it's like, not only am I a, a client, I'm also the president. <laughs> That's exactly who I am. Like, we're all MESPA here, right? And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and so, Gabe, just to kind of tell everybody a little bit about your experience, um, just share with us uh, your elementary principal experience and kind of what led you to this spot. Sure. Yep. Uh, well, before I get started, Brett, I just wanted to say congratulations on being the National Distinguished Principal. That is uh, it's an amazing honor. It's well-deserved, and uh, I certainly am grateful for your mentorship as well as your friendship, and I've learned a ton from you over the years, so uh, congratulations on that huge award. I'm looking forward to celebrating with you in Chicago this summer if it gets yes! to happen. <laughs> oh, Gabe, thanks for, thanks for saying that, and you know, it's been a uh, it, it's been a real honor and I, I, I don't feel like I deserved it this year, especially with everything happening, but uh, yeah. thank you for the kind words for sure. Yeah, well, it's definitely deserved and I know I'm not the only one that feels that way. So congratulations. Um, going into your question, uh, uh, my background, I, I started out as a, as a FIED teacher and really loved what I was doing. And um, what our dean of students at our elementary school at the time, she was going on maternity leave and she said, you know, it'd be a lot easier to, for you to fill in since you know all the kids and have relationships versus me trying to find someone to do, you know, parts of my job. And uh, so that's kind of how I jumped into leadership. And after I, uh, I was in that dean of students role, another dean of students position came open the following year in, in the district I was working in. And I applied for it and got it. And so I worked as a dean of students uh, for five years. And, and that was kind of my, my test into leadership. And as I was doing that, I went to get my administrative license. I, you know, I'm kind of addicted to learning. So that was, that was great for me to be able to go back to school too and have an excuse to do it. And, um, and after that, I was lucky enough to apply here in Monticello. It's only six miles down the road from my house. And, and uh, I was offered the job and, and really excited to, to start my journey. And before I know it, I've been, I've been eight years here at Little Mountain Elementary. Eight years. Yeah. So you've actually, so you've had quite the road then. So, so you had six, well, in essence, six years of practice principalship because that dean position, it, it's yeah. kind of like the, do you like it? And if you do, here's a great chance of experience. Right. It, it, it really is uh, finding a way to get in. I, I know there are, there are people, and I think maybe even your experience, Brett, was going from the classroom to the principalship. And that transition must be uh, overwhelming to say the least, because I remember sitting in this principal chair on that first week of July when I was hired back in 2013 and thinking, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? I don't know how to do this job. You know, it's, it's funny you say that. Um, so when I got my first principal job, um, you, a colleague you and I both uh, know well, Brad Gustafson. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, so I got one year of being a dean as, as well, and it, but it was in a high school level. So I had, oh, sure. I, I have had no teaching experience in elementary ever, and I had no leadership in elementary. So when I did get hired for this elementary position, my superintendent was so kind to say, you've got the skills to do this. But I called Brad and said, what do you do? Like, what do yeah. you start with? And he said, you know what the first thing I did? I opened mail. Cause I know how to open mail. Yes. <laughs> and yes. That has always stuck with me of like, Oh, right. Sometimes just do the things you know how to do. And then you'll figure the rest of the things out. And exactly. You know, my, uh, that's funny. You bring up, uh, Dr. Gustafson because, uh, Brad's kids were going to the elementary where I was a Dean of students and I knew him as a parent. I knew he was a principal, but I knew him much better as a parent. And so the, we had a friendship and, and that, that parent, to the Dean relationship that, um, but I never expected my phone to ring that first week in July, but it did. And when it did, it was Brad Gustafson on the other line saying, Hey, I'm here for you, whatever you need, let me know. And, and he's been such a, a great friend and a great mentor, uh, just in, in throughout all of the years, but that first, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And yeah. his advice was a lot the same, just do what you do know how to do, whether it's opening mail or whatever that might be, <laughs> and everything else will just come to you. And it did. You know, it's, it, it, and I want to tap into something else that you mentioned. So you said that your principal tapped you on the shoulder and said, I'm going to be gone. And I think that you've got the skills and you know, the kids, um, had you been doing what things had you been doing so far to build yourself into that leadership that, that she could say, Gabe, I think you could do this. Yeah. Well, I think just our, you know, our specialists are such a valuable resource mm -hmm. in that they know all of the kids. And I think that was a big part of it is that, you know, uh, from the first graders to the fifth graders, I knew 95% of their names and, and I had a relationship with them. Um, and I think that was a, a, a big part of it, but uh, also just the different programmings and, and activities that we would, uh, that we would try to operate as FIA teachers where we were bringing in volunteers. So instead of a, you know, instead of your traditional track and field day where the, the, the kids are doing multiple events, we were bringing in parents to run the events for us. So a huge activity day, rather than you do an event and then you wait for your next event, we were just constantly moving, but we needed, we needed people to do that. So bringing in the families and making connections that way, I guess is just one small example of, of how we were trying to involve more people and build those relationships. So, so then you, so you got to be a Dean. So that really was essentially your leadership Build up, so it made that transition probably pretty easy to becoming the principal. Um, had you always wanted to become a principal? I had always thought about it, but I don't know that I would have taken the leap if I went to if I didn't have that tap on the shoulder to say, "Hey, I think you, I think this might be something you'd be good at." And um, you know, I'm really thankful for that push um, and for all the people that have helped me get to where I am today as the principal of Little Mountain Elementary. I, I, I don't have a day that goes by that I don't drive to work, look at the school and think, you know, this is overwhelming and exciting. And, and I'm, I'm very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. So, um, you know, I, I guess I, I'm just really thankful that I had that push because I don't, I liked what I was doing. I loved what I was doing. There are days I still would, like today, I looked at my FIAD teachers out there, the kids are having a great time there in shorts and t-shirt and it looked okay to me, you know, I, yeah. I could go back and do that. But at, um, 
but at the same time, I'm I'm very fortunate to be in a leadership position and and have a what I hope is a positive impact on all the staff and kids here at Little Mountain. Well, you have to believe that you that you do because you're still there, right? And, <laughs> right. And, I, and 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 it goes a little beyond that because um, you now you have a pretty significant presence on Twitter. Um, yep. Can you? That doesn't happen by accident, but it doesn't happen overnight either. Um, Tell us a little bit about, because uh, I am a believer that uh, I'll give a little background so you understand why I'm asking this question, um, is that Twitter opened my eyes back in 2011 or what, 12, whatever year it was that I got onto it. And my world expanded exponentially with yeah. the people that I, that I got to know. And it, yep. it, it's the reason why I got to become a principal, because I was noticed by my superintendent, which then added to some other things. Sure. Um, Talk about your experience. What what led you to try Twitter and then um, to where you are now, where you use that as a foundational piece of your communication? Absolutely. That's a good question. And uh, I'm going to have to bring up our friend uh, Brad Gustafson again, because <laughs> in, in one of those first conversations that we had, uh, Brad said, I'm going to encourage you to get on social media if you're not already, you know, and here's how I use Twitter. I, I think at the time he was starting to use Instagram. Here's how I use Facebook. Uh, we have, a, you know, a, a school Facebook page. And, and I just started asking questions about um, about what that looks like. You know, do you do you worry about putting the wrong thing out on social media or um, how do you engage? How do you get followers? How do you know um how do you how do you connect with educators how do you use it for professional development and he was really there to help me get started and 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 connect with others as you know the principalship can it can be uh kind of isolating at mm -hmm. times mm -hmm. and i've heard principals say that they wouldn't still be principals if they hadn't found a way to connect outside of their building or with other principals using social media. And I don't know that I would put myself in, in that boat necessarily, but it has been a game changer for me. And for all those reasons that I listed, not just because we get to tell our positive story with our families and all the families that follow us, but also for the, the learning and the professional development, it's all out there for us to go grab. And I think it would be, it would be really negligent of us not to go get that information and to participate that way. Um, I am, I, I don't think that I possess these, these unbelievable principal skills that help me do my job. So for me, I, I'm always looking for great ideas and Twitter is a great place to grab those ideas from, from these principals that are doing amazing things across the country. Right. And, and everyone, if you're, if you're, if you're still wondering whether you should get into Twitter, or if you think it's just politics that's on there, it really is, you get to cultivate it and make it what you want. You can find people that are strictly just talking about leadership and education, and you just follow those people. And if you get to people that you don't want to listen to, you just, you just unfollow them. And, yep. and, but when you start getting a lot of voices that make you realize you've got the skills and, and then there are other people who are doing things where you go, I never thought of it this way. Twitter mm -hmm. is a great place for you to go. And we could have been having this conversation eight years ago, and we're still having it now because it is still that impactful for educators. It really is. And I, you know, it, it's, it's kind of about taking that leap. I think I've, I've engaged with so many educators that 
you, you could look at maybe their authors or speakers or, um, you know, maybe their national distinguished principals. And you're a little worried about taking that leap and saying, hey, I've got a question for me for you or tell me about this blog post you've written. But once you take that leap and, and engage with those principals, you realize they want to learn from you just like you want to learn from them. And, and you have such great conversations. And I've met some some of my great friends on Twitter and, and some of them I've never met face-to-face, -face. you know, they're, they're just my friends on Twitter and I hope that I do meet them face-to-face face -face at some point, but, um, but yeah, you can, you can form some great friendships that way. Oh, I'm telling you, it is, it's, it is powerful when you get to meet people for the first time, when you've yep. engaged with them online for so long. And um, I went to uh, NAESP in Spokane now two summers ago. And that was my first time ever going to a national conference. And, and to run into so many people and you're like, I follow you on Twitter. Like, I'm like, yeah. I was going, I'm treating them like they're rock stars. And then I realized you're just like me. We're just normal mm -hmm. people, just happy to be connecting with more people that we know. And um, it, it sure does make it um, like you. I don't feel isolated. Um, as a principal, but there are times where it can feel isolating and knowing that there are other people who have those same experiences um, makes the world feel a little less small, right? Or a little it definitely less does. It definitely <laughs> does. And, and when, you, when you're able to grow those connections uh, and, and throw out questions, you realize that other people are going through the exact same thing that you are. And, and that's uh, helpful more than just about anything else could be. Um, I happen to notice on your walls, I see that poster of Kids Deserve It. I see a copy of the book in the background. Yeah. Um, so are, are you a big fan of Kids Deserve It? Oh, I'm a huge fan of Kids Deserve It. it, it it's uh, a book that, um, it, it seemed like a book at the time that it was written, uh, that it, 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 it's what everybody was thinking, but nobody had put it in into pages. And it wasn't, it wasn't like it was earth shattering and that we didn't as principals didn't hold those beliefs, but nobody had put it down on paper before. And it, it's, it's a book that I read every year and that I can read in one sitting and still I'm pulling new things out of it to say, gosh, that's right. Uh, schools aren't here for adults. They're here for kids. And we need to treat every single day as though, uh, as, as though we're going to make it the best experience for our kids as we possibly can. Right. It's just, and, and, and so, you know, Adam, welcome. And you've also, I mean, Todd Nesloni was one of our keynote speakers. Yeah. So you've had the opportunity to meet both of them too in person. I have, I have absolutely. And, and speaking of Twitter, that's how I connected with Adam. He was doing a keynote in Sock Center uh, with our, with our friend, Amy Millard up in oh, Sock yeah. Center. Yes. And so uh, Adam, I, through Twitter, he's commenting on being in Sock Center. So I sent him a message saying, Hey, uh, you know, Monticello is about halfway between the airport and Sox Center. So if you need to stretch your legs, I'd love to meet you. And uh, we were just getting done with the school remodel. I was talking to a group of teachers. I turned around. It was during workshop week. And there's Adam Welcome standing in the hallway at Little Mountain Elementary. And uh, that and that started a, a great friendship. And we were I was heavily into kids, kids deserve it at that time. I was, we were reading it as not as a staff, but doing some different book studies. So I had the opportunity to take him around and, and meet the teachers. And uh, a year later, he was our keynote for our district. Um, and so just a, you know, just a, another, to your point about Twitter, just how we've grown that relationship. And, and he's the, Adam Welcome is the kind of guy that doesn't just keynote. He's, he's there 
for all of our staff. If they would reach out to him, he would be right there to say, hey, I can help with that. And, and he's become a, a great friend because of, because of Twitter. That's awesome. Now, does that mean, are you, are you running a lot too then? Uh, I try to run as much as I possibly can. I find that my knees need a break as I get older every once uh, in a while, but I do try to run as much as I can. I, I, I only say that because I'm not a runner. And when I read um, like the, the, the fit leaders and, and when I see Adam out running and I'm just like, Oh, they're like, there are some things that speak to me. And then there are some things that don't, and that's the one I struggle with, but yeah. I walks, I guess that's something. So, <laughs> so now, so obviously you, you read a lot, Are, mm -hmm. you know, as you kind of think about being a leader and, and books uh, or things that you've read that have influenced you, what are some things that you kind of go, yeah, this was a, this was a book at that moment, or this was something, a podcast I listened to, or this was something that really influenced my leadership. Um, can you share with some, with us some experiences or some things that you think about when that question comes up? Yeah. Uh, it's a really good question. I, I tend to, I, I tend to think the best book is the one I'm reading at the time. I've gotten a lot better about, um, you know how when you're, there are people who are watching bad movies and they can't stop, they need to get to the end anyway. Yeah. I used to be that way with books where I'd get about halfway through and I, it just wasn't resonating with me, but I'd finish that book no matter what. And then <laughs> I found it would take me months to finish this book when I could have been reading something that I, that I really enjoyed. And so I've gotten much better about if it's not for me, it's just not for me and, I, and I'll toss that away. And uh, I, I, I do try to read books that are uh, that that talk about instructional delivery and and get down to the nitty gritty about instructional practices. Mm -hmm. But the books that that truly speak to me are are philosophy books. Kid, you know, kids deserve it, or even outside of education, uh, make your bed. You know, the, those types of leadership books that um, that that just are motivating. I, I find that they're page turners and, and uh, it, it inspires me to be better for kids. And I think that's, you know, that's why we're doing what we're doing. It's, it, it's so interesting. And the reason why I ask it is because uh, sometimes I think this is me personally, is I, I, I think that we get locked into, we must be reading educational books all the time, or yeah. we have to listen to educational podcasts, by the way, everyone, thank you for listening. But <laughs> that, that, um, that, that sometimes it can be boxed in. And, and one of the most influential people in my life came from listening to Tim Ferriss. And Tim Ferriss, is, his original book was like the four hour work week. Yeah. Um, and, and then he, you know, came out with these, all these four, four hour, uh, different, different books. But um, his last book was um, something of Titans. I can't remember what it is, but basically he took every single one of the podcasts that he ever worked on and put that into a book and just took all the highlights. Well, I listen to his podcast and I go, wow, Seth Godin. All right, I'm not in the world that he's in, but that's a really good idea. And I know yeah. I could go and talk to this teacher and this teacher and this teacher, and it would just launch them into some free thinking. And and so sometimes you never know what that book is going to be. So I appreciate that you say sometimes we grind it out to to read yeah. something, but when you really find something that resonates with you, it it does make a difference, right? It does. It does. Yep. And uh, it makes me such a more prolific reader too, because when I'm into it, I'm through it in a week or two and I can move on to that, that next book on the list. You know, it, um, 
we've been reading as a, as a district, we've done small book studies, but the idea is that we're going to get through all of the staff members in the entire district, whether it's paraprofessionals, administrators, teachers, uh, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. And, and that's been kind of a game changer for us. And it, although she mentions education several times throughout the book, I wouldn't call it an education book or a, or a PD book, but boy, as far as being able to change culture and the way we communicate, it's, it's a game changer. Clear is kind. Clear is kind. Yep. Clear is kind. I mean, that's, think about all the communication that we have to do as principals, right? We are, mm-hmm. um, we are the middle people in an organization. We have our superintendents and our cabinet, and we have our staff, whether it's our teachers, our paraprofessionals, our custodians. And in between here, we are always trying to communicate what's going on up here, what we want, and to make sure we're echoing the voices that, uh, that we represent. Yeah. And, and when, I heard, when I read Clear is Kind, I thought about so many of my communications that, oh boy, when you read this, it reads, reads like I'm really just talking to teachers. Even though it's a newsletter for everybody, there's nothing in here that's really saying custodians or support staff. Or, and, and it changed the way that I message because mm-hmm. I think more about the audience and make sure that I, do they understand the where, what, how, and then is their feeling? Like, am yeah. I telling them how I'm feeling about something? And it, it, it changed the way um, when you think about if I'm clear with my communication and I'm giving everyone what they need and all the different personalities that um, they don't ask as many questions. They don't yeah. get frustrated. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a really proactive way to look at it. And I think it also helps the, the teachers or the staff, whoever they may be. I know it's helped for me when you're having a difficult conversation with a parent and, um, and the teacher's wondering how much to share. You know, you, you're giving them the advice that clear is kind. It makes a difference in your mindset. You know, is this happening? Yes, it's happening. Do the parents deserve to know? Yes, they do. Okay, so we're going to tell them. We're going to give all the, the, them all the information. And if they don't like it, just remember, clear is kind, you're being kind, whether they take it that way, whether, you know, depending, they might not react the way that you want them to, but just remember giving them all that information and being very clear about, uh, about the, their students and their child is, is the kind thing to do. And it, when you shift that mindset, it, it makes a difference. It's, it's interesting because that's, um, when you're thinking about that, like, how do you deliver news that, you know, would be hard for you as a parent? to take in right yeah um, is but we still have to be factual we still want to share the information is is that as long as another thing with Brene Brown is that vulnerability and love and mm-hmm. like and and, mm-hmm. it, and and so one of the things that we have really focused on in our meetings and talking with our teachers about when we're communicating difficult topics is to make sure that they know I love your child very yeah. much and I'm concerned, and these are the concerns I'm having because I love your child, and I'm and I'm I don't have all the tools that I have, and so I'm I'm looking to you, parent, that you might have something else that that can help us, right? And right, and, and it kind of then starts wrapping up that. Remember, it's a team approach. We're mm-hmm. we're we're here together in this. Um, yep. I just I, I love Brene Brown. You just like you're making me geek out right now. No, that that's for sure. I I'm in the same boat. She is uh, she's a hero around here. Right, and everyone, don't forget, she's a researcher. She does research. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah. it's not just touchy feely. Brene Brown is, I mean, she is reading and researching and really looking at what, at evidence-based practices too. So it's not just the, 
um, the soft side. So if you're looking for something, um, you know, daring to dare to lead is any of her books, mm-hmm. um, her Ted talks, any of them are worth it. Yeah, um, definitely. So, so kind of thinking about that. So as you go into how many, how many kids are in your building? We have about, uh, 640 right, right around there. Yeah. Give or take. Uh, yeah. So now you do um, good news, call the day, you Mm -hmm. you promote students a lot. Um, What, what have you learned from, um, from promoting students on social media? Because I know some people say to me, I would never put a picture of a kid on social media. I just don't feel comfortable with it. And I try to say, well, you know, as long as you're not writing the, here's Gabe in Mrs. H's fourth grade classroom, um, you know, it's okay, because kids want to see that acknowledgement are, are, yeah. do you see this do you get the same results or what what have, what's your experience been like yeah you know going back to that first conversation with dr gustafson that's something that i asked him you know do we have to worry about uh putting pictures of kids on social media or, or put, putting their name out there and he kind of helped me navigate through that too and and you know uh maybe during your welcome back days or your open house, you let families know that this is how we operate and, and you can opt out if it, if, if you want to, but um, we want to share the positives that are happening. And I think that helps change the culture a little bit. And it really has, uh, you know, there was this stigma. Um, I don't want to date myself, but there, there was a time when if you got sent to the principal's office it meant that things weren't going well for you. And we've changed that culture where if you get called down to the principal's office, there's a pretty darn good chance that you're coming to hang out with Mr. Hackett. We're going to call your parents and celebrate the amazing things you're doing in class. And, and to me, that's what positive culture is all about. And it should be that way. You should be excited to come down and see the principal. Um, and when we're on the phone and I'm making those good news phone calls, I, I try to, work that into the conversation too. So, um, you know, Hey, Mrs. Peterson is, is, uh, we're going to take a selfie after we're done on the phone call here. Is it okay if I post this to Twitter and, and we'd like to make, uh, we'd like to make so-and-so famous today. And, and, uh, usually the parents are absolutely, I can't wait to see it. And then you find out the parents are following you on Twitter and then they're liking the next kids that get good news phone calls. And it, it just kind of, uh, escalates from there. Yeah, it's it, it's like paying it forward, paying it forward in a whole different way. Yeah, and for the kids to um, now, are, now are you um, like do you do any type of PBIS or any type of uh, um, school wide support system um, for your kids? Yeah, that's a good question. When I was uh, dean of students and my uh, at my former school, we went through the training with Kurt Slater. He was uh, doing the PBIS training, and so I've come from a PBIS school. We are not in name, but are following a, a lot of those, uh, a lot of the directives that are placed by PBIS, you know, the, the common language, the, the, um, just the different things that go along with being a PBIS school, collecting the data, the, the positive ratios and, and everything else that I loved about the program. So although we're not a, a PBIS school yet, um, we're definitely using a lot of the things that make PBIS a great program. Well, I just think like that good news call of the day falls right in line with it, right? Because yep. you're talking yep. about the values that we're trying to teach. And um, a, a sentence I say to parents a lot is um, like when we talk about a, a safe place for kids to make mistakes, that's why we have elementary schools. This is the mm-hmm. place for kids to be citizens in training. 
And we want them to learn the hard lessons of life here where we can help them safely land, give them feedback, let them retry and get better at it rather than having to do that out in the community. Yes. I think that PBIS or, or whatever the, you know, whatever people's systems are is teaching that common language, teaching some common values. And, and really it goes back to that clear as kind mm-hmm. um, is, is uh, embedding that in everything we do. And so yes. now, so, so you and I are both LMEs. Yes. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so, so what are the, what are the characteristics of, of Little Mountain that, uh, that the students are like their pride or their whatever it might be that they're showing? Yeah. So we use as our common language, we use the simple six and the first three are the ones that we use throughout the entire year. We usually take a month to really focus in on one and do different activities in the classroom. But the first three uh, are just be here, be safe and be honest. And when you think about all, but when you think about those three, they really cover just about everything that we're trying to teach our kids, whether it be playground behavior or hallway behavior, classroom expectations. Um, you know, are you are you trying your best because you're because your teacher's asking you to give your best? Are you uh, being kind to your friends on the playground? Are you telling the truth when you're asked a question? You know, just so many of those things that we can work into that common language and, and, and use, be here, be safe, be honest, that it's, uh, it, it becomes part of the, the language that we can use, whether it's on the announcements, um, you know, we're doing different skits or, or teaching events out there or out on the playground, uh, putting posters up so they see it a little more often, you know, just that whole idea, that PBIS idea of that common language. And, and when students, uh, go outside those expectations and they're having make a tough decision uh, when they're coming in, just reinforcing with that language too. It makes a huge difference. And, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but it, <laughs> it does. It makes a huge difference when you're using that, that common language that they've heard so many times and they know what they know, which part of that common language didn't fit with their behavior so yeah. that they're able to, they're able to talk about it with you. And, and it's a, it's a, a really freeing conversation when you're having it, even with the first grader. Well, and it's centering because we're talking about the yeah. same common, like we both came from that same foundation, right? And, and so it, it, it does matter. And, and, and so you were talking about announcements. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabe, the reason why I'm, I'm bringing up some of these topics is uh, MESPA members, we've listened to your feedback and we know that some of the things you want to learn about are what are the tips and tricks people are doing that I could maybe try in my own building? Yeah. So I heard you mention announcements. Yeah. So, so, and you said you, skits and I heard some of those mm-hmm. kind of things. Talk a little yeah. bit about what you do then to teach the messaging for your kids. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So uh, if Brad Gustafson is listening to this, he's going to get sick of hearing his name. But, uh, <laughs> but when he, when, when I started, they were still doing announcements the, the old school way through the telephone, you know, so you hear the, the ding and everybody stops what they're doing. And we talk about lunch and we talk about any special events and go from there. Uh, but I wanted to do video announcements and I knew Brad was doing video announcements. And so I went to visit at, uh, at Greenwood elementary and he showed me the app that he was using and, uh, uh, and his studio. And we didn't have a studio, but we were able to, to make it work with a simple green screen and get the students involved to be running our announcements. And, uh, the thing that that we're really proud of on a, in a non-COVID year is that I can train the students 
And once I've showed them how to use the TouchCast app, that's what we're using for announcements yep. right now. Yeah. Um, they can train in the next news crew because we like to cycle through, give the, the students, uh, more students an opportunity. Uh, they, they just train each other. And, and really it's very hands-off uh, unless we're doing something, you know, a special skit or something like that. And, and you, had, you had asked about what that looks like. Uh, our Dean of Students kind of got roped in to that. She uh, one, one day decides to uh, put something together, I think for our common language around the simple six, but it was, she called it Tuesday Tips with Mrs. Hamill. And the kids loved it so much that it ended up being the following week. And now if we don't have a Tuesday Tips with Mrs. Hamill, everybody wants to know where Tuesday Tips with Mrs. Hamill is. So oh, it's yeah. it's every Tuesday that we have Tuesday Tips with Mrs. Hamill. And it could be, you know, in an, an, a reminder of an upcoming event that we're having and, and what the expectations are for that, or, you know, make sure we're talking to our families about it. It could be playground expectations. It could be, there's an upcoming tornado drill. So what does that look like? And so during the week, our Dean, Dean of Students, uh, Kathy Hamill, as I said, she will be going around and, and asking students to help prepare for Tuesday tips because they love to be part of that. And, and so it's very, um, it's very student centered. They're always a part of, of those different skits and those teaching opportunities and, and, and the kids love to be part of it. And it's just become a part of the culture. It's, it's funny. It creates that accountability, right? Cause the kids know yeah. when you don't do something in the routine. Once you change it, yeah. there's the, yeah. huh. and they, and they know that Kathy will never forget to record it, but they also know that Mr. Hackett will sometimes forget to add it. And so they come straight to me. If it's ever not there on a Tuesday, Mr. Hackett, where's Tuesday tips? <laughs> so then, yeah. So then I'm held accountable very much. So. Uh, as the producer and editor. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, that, that is awesome. So, so now as you're heading into, uh, we've all had to, to, to experience COVID and school. leadership, yeah. And I think we've all gained a few gray hairs, no matter our age um, out of this. So now that we're, most of us are back in person with our students here at school. And we, many of us have been for a long time is, uh, as you enter into spring, we've got mm -hmm. April and May. Most people's spring breaks are done. We are now into the, the, the home stretch. Yep. Um, what things are you most looking forward to, um, to, to celebrating, to doing with your students and staff as, as you head into the final you know, eight, nine, 10 weeks of school? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. I, th I think um, just for me personally, uh, I am really happy not to be having, not to have every conversation revolving around COVID or restrictions or, um, you know, it, it, I feel like we're getting slowly back to normal where that's not every conversation we're having because for a long time it was and for a good reason, but everything that we were doing and planning revolved around around COVID and the pandemic. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got the, the itch to start writing on my blog again, and I'm excited to do that. I think the first one might be titled Out of the Fog because it really feels like we're starting to finally clear that fog and, and get to a good place. And, um, and uh, one of the things that we're starting to do now more is have conversations about academics. Like I said before, it was so much of it was, keeping kids distanced and, and keeping them safe. And, and that was important for that to be our goal. But now we're starting to see um, some of those gaps from times we were in hybrid or distance learning, or even last year when we, when we all went home in March. And um, 
And so I'm really looking forward to getting back up. We're, we're starting a, a kind of a revamp of PLCs. Um, if I can be really vulnerable for a second, when we first launched PLCs, it was a bit of a disaster and I didn't, I didn't lead our staff very well. And so PLCs became a bit of a swear word here. And one thing that we know is that collaborative teams are more effective, but we also know, um, you know, the research would overwhelmingly say that a lot of that, that teachers don't necessarily enjoy PLC time or they don't think it's effective. So we've got two pieces of research. And so I'm really excited about, um, it's called PLC 2.0, uh, Kale Burke and, and uh, Garth Larson put together uh, a book and, and a, a set of tools that, uh, that really make things individualized. It doesn't have to be the same conversation each time. The teams are allowed to, to pick different contexts, uh, but they, they focus in on observable impact. And what we're doing in our collaborative teams, we are going to take that strategy, put it into use, and, and if it works, then we're gonna document that learning because as educators, we're really good at documenting student learning and really poor at documenting our own learning. So we're going to document that learning. We're going to find out what those observables are. And from those observables, uh, we're going to make a difference in the classroom. And I'm really excited about relaunching. But as you know, from the first failure, it's going to take a while to get everybody on board. But we practiced with a few tools already this spring. Uh, and one of them being you know, looking back into distance learning, finding out what are those tools and strategies that we use that can help us now that we're back in person and, and documenting that to make sure that we don't lose it. Because I think it would be easy to look at distance learning and say, gosh, we don't want anything to do with what, what that was. We, we enjoy the kids being here in person, uh, but just documenting and taking those things we've learned to, to get better. You know, it makes me think of uh, um, when we, when we meet as a team to talk about a student who might be struggling academically. Yeah. Right. Oh, I've got Gabe here and you know, um, Gabe is really struggling with understanding the concepts of carrying, carrying and borrowing and or yep. choose whatever it is. Okay. Well, we actually, we have an academic intervention we can do right now. And mm -hmm. what we're going to do is we'll come back and talk about Gabe in six weeks, but these are the three things we want you to work on with him. And we want you to progress monitor, right? Mm -hmm. What you're talking about is doing that, similar to adults then so you're gonna so you're rolling it out giving the training and then seeing do our results do we see the results happen from applying that intervention during plc yeah well so it's you know all of the tools are they're able to work through them and once once you've done one tool the other tools are are similar but you're okay. you're taking different instructional strategies or you know you you're, you're asking the teams what's the problem maybe it's engagement in second grade but in third grade it's differentiation i don't want second grade focusing on differentiation if they feel like that's not an issue. So we're giving them the freedom. We're not saying, okay, here's your PLC agenda. I need you to talk through the same meeting every single time we meet. But, but the teams are allowed to, you know, they, they have that freedom to pick the, the problem area, to put it on top of that tool, and then work their way through that tool together to, to come out with this impact plan that in the end says we are going to work on this strategy by doing this and at the end of the week or the end of the two weeks you know however long it is before we meet again we're going to have documentation that says when we do this in the classroom 
this is how it impacts differentiation or this is how it impacts student engagement. And we're going to record that. And yeah. it's, it's really, really exciting. Is it based on a book? Is it yeah, yeah. PLC uh, 2.0 is the name of the book? Yep. Garth, uh, Garth Larson and, and Cale Burke wrote it. Um, Garth Larson is the co-founder of uh, First Ed Resources, First Ed, um, First Educational Resources. And uh, they, um, they, they do several workshops, um, you know, and, and that kind of thing. They, they actually came to Monticello and, and that's how we kind of connected that way too. But it's, uh, it's powerful stuff. It's really, it's really changed our attitude towards PLCs and, and our collaborative time. And it's, I think the biggest thing is it gives our teams the freedom to pick what they think is going to be most beneficial for the students by looking at what's not working in the classroom and how can they change that. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Gabe, I, I know I asked you for a half hour and here we are, we're already running into uh, almost 40. Oh, wow. Here. Yeah. I, uh, um, that, that it goes by fast. I, uh, um, before, before we wrap things up, I, first of all, you're on Twitter. How can people find you on social media? Yeah, I, I would say Twitter is the best way. I, I'm on Facebook and, and mostly on Facebook because we use, uh, we have a school Facebook page. So that's, that's really the reason that I have Facebook. So Twitter is the, the best way. Um, and my, uh, my handle is at LME underscore principal. So I probably stole your Twitter handle by using <laughs> LME, but uh, that's the best way to connect on Twitter. And then, you know, of course, uh, out there and in a few other places where you could, um, you could find me just by looking me up on the, on the Manoncello website. That's awesome. Well, Gabe, thanks for being our, our first guest back here to the MESPA Principal Cast. And uh, I hope it wasn't uh, too painful and that you enjoyed it. <laughs> it was an absolute pleasure, Brett. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure for sure, Gabe. It's good to reconnect with you here. Um, everyone, uh, make sure you keep your uh, eyes out. We want to welcome uh, Lisa Carlson, who is now our newest MESPA uh, president. So we want to say congratulations to you, Lisa. Ashley Farrington, who's our new secretary, congratulations as well. And uh, we just want to say, uh, stay connected. You have your spring MESPA um, division meetings. Those are coming up here. Um, check in with your divisions. Make sure you just check in on your colleagues and uh, we hope that you enjoyed this episode, everyone. Thanks for listening.